Good. So let's. Uh, so let's. I'm sure you got some nice analytical information. You can leave this over here. <laughs> from from John, right? Like yes. that's some really so so. Um, you're gonna get the antithesis of that. You're gonna get just like personal. Of course. What it's like for me, and you know, not only being dyslexic, but being a father of dyslexic, that sort of thing. So I. I hope that's okay with you. No, that's more yeah, than okay. Great. That's really the concept <clears throat> I want to go into and your experiences and how I can relate to that or, yeah. you know, see a difference and ask you a big questions because, of course, you have your own knowledge and, you know, that's very Beautiful. valuable. Yes, well, I'm, every time I describe John, I say it's like he... He has to, he looks at me and he says, ah, okay, I'm speaking to a mortal. So I've got to like come down from my extraterrestrial intelligence zone. Because how it's going to be like, for me. It's, it's like, a low, it's like the bar gets lower and lower. It's like, I'm like, oh, John, you're so patient to be talking with like, you know, my species. Because you know, he's not. He's like, not Thank you for <laughs> contributing your time. No, that's great. See in the space. Brilliant. Uh, exactly. Yeah, he's for just sure. too smart for his own good. You know it. And his brother is equally so, which is really even more remarkable that there's oh, wow. two of them <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah me and my sister are very different personally she doesn't have dyslexia she's an amazing writer and re reading amazingly you know yeah. very poetic um likes theater i don't like any of those things but yeah. that's okay yeah. uh she's not a big fan of sports and i am so Good. it's just well, it's complete opposites yeah you can how many kids do you have? I've got one. One. Okay. Yes. So Are you one. an only child? No, you just said, told me your sister. I'm yes, sorry. Yeah. Of course. No, no, of course. Uh, so, so I have yeah. an older sister. Um, okay. And it's so interesting because we both grew up the exact same way. And yep. to see how absolutely different we became yep. is just shows that, of course, everyone has their own identity and it can be changed yep. with the way you're brought up yep. and your experiences, but you have your fundamentals, which is super interesting and how she, and how I have dyslexia and she doesn't, but yep. you know, or yep. it's just, it's interesting to compare it to, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it, in many, 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 many years when you become a parent, um, you know, if you, for us as the parents of an only child, we just naturally assume that any additional children we have would be exactly like our son, yeah. right? And and so I can't, I, I totally understand what you're saying in theory, but like as an only, as the father of an only child, it's like, I just, I assume that this is all I can produce. And yeah. by the way, we got really lucky. It's great. <laughs> That's great. You would actually, you would like, he's 11, but you you and he like he could engage you on 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 your caliber conversation and you can i can explain to me what i need to be doing no, 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 no. <laughs> you guys are just you you're both very very similar in your style in terms yeah. of your presence and your your engagement is really uh i mean it's uncanny and it's it's very very much rooted in your dyslexia in my opinion for sure but I don't even know if we're recording, but we're going to get into good, good stuff. Yeah, good so, stuff, exactly. Good, good. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. Um, uh, I prepared like a little bit of an intro, but I feel like that was that was great. Totally. So um, I just, let's get into some questions because I think what you're doing with the noticeability is absolutely amazing and the community that you've raised and how you're spreading your knowledge as being a dyslexic, being a dyslexic activist um, and having a child. So you really see all the different perspectives yeah. of it and you can see the schooling, which is what I really want to talk to you about yeah. um, nowadays and how it was before and where yeah. you see it in the future. Um, so 
Can you tell us a bit about noticeability oh, and what it is? Sure. So, you know, as, as you and I briefly discussed before we got on the air, um, I married a woman with dyslexia. And we knew we were going to have this little dyslexic purebred. <laughs> and I came to this moment where I had kind of one of those cold sweat moments where you say to yourself, all right, I understand that I personally am overjoyed that my boy has dyslexia, but I also know that he's going to go into an educational system that had a profoundly detrimental impact on both my wife and me. Now, we were fortunate enough to choose that road less traveled and double down our efforts and produce the results that we wanted and therefore were able to get into good colleges and universities. So the academic story turned out okay, but the early educational space is so, um, just so, just em embroiled with personal doubt. Yeah. that your experience as a person with dyslexia is inherently headed down a negative path based not not on what you may think of yourself, but what society is telling you and what the educational system is telling you. And so I had that cold sweat moment and asked myself whether or not I was going to be complicit in allowing my son to go into an educational system that had that same impact on me, or was I going to take some of the knowledge that I had acquired as an adult and as a professional and create something that was going to enable him to feel better about himself, specifically by seeing attributes associated with this learning profile. Because Lord knows he was going to get more than enough evidence of his deficiencies associated mm -hmm. with dyslexia. And so I wanted to come up with a way to, to counterbalance that dialogue for him. And the idea was... You know, for me, as as a as a young professional, I did uh, you know not something I recommend per se, but I went into entrepreneurship, small business entrepreneurship, right out of college, and uh -huh. I had no qualifications for whatsoever. whatsoever. <laughs> All the success stories start that way, and <laughs> <Yeah>. then <laughs> exactly, and and you know, and what I recognized was that I, I I chose the hospitality industry and went into restaurants, and so I bought this little restaurant. And the only reason I was able to succeed at it was because of my dyslexia, and it was because of these cognitive attributes associated with my dyslexia that enabled me to succeed in an industry where 60% of people that actually know what they're doing wind up failing. Yeah. And so getting insight into how my dyslexia was a benefit enabled me to put context uh, to this learning profile and then create what I thought would be a, I don't want to call it a panacea, but a sort of a life raft for my boy by yeah. incorporating both those professions where dyslexics are disproportionately successful in combining it with these cognitive assets that neuroscience is revealing we have and then embedding what's called social emotional learning right yeah. understanding how it is that we operate in teams and how we can self-regulate to be our best selves in those environments and so i thought if I could create that for my boy, Bodhi, um, potentially that would be something that would assist other kids. And you know, thanks to Harvard and MIT, where we sit today, uh, you know, I had assets of these universities to help shepherd me through that process. And so what noticeability is today is essentially 
we create this strength-based curricula that exposes students to those professions that we do so well in, namely entrepreneurship, engineering, architecture, and the arts, and then distribute those into public and private education spaces as well as homeschooling and tutors and after-school youth-serving organizations. And you know, it's been it's been three years that we've actually had something to offer wow. the world, and we're we're in thirteen countries and nineteen states. So that's so that's so amazing. That's such a fast-growing concept and community. That's amazing. It, it, I think the reason for that acceleration is because we're one of the few groups that's coming out like you saying this is an asset as much as a perceived disability and we want to shine light on that fact far too often there's this emotional dissonance for parents where they hear the school saying your child is broken they're not working hard enough they're not achieving their full potential and then what we see on the weekends are these kids that are absolutely extraordinary in so many ways and so those two narratives don't map and what we're doing I think and what you're doing and I'm so inspired by your story and what you're bringing to the world with this podcast is we're able to show that yes there are challenges but the parents observations are absolutely rooted in neuroscientific evidence yeah and I think we as a population, may you be a parent, a person with dyslexia, or you know, the, the, the child of a person with dyslexia, you want to hear that there is a silver lining, and not only a silver lining, but a significant one at that. Yeah. I have to ask, um, is your kid in a public school, private school, dyslexic um, school? Sorry, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so we chose to put our son into a private mainstream school we were very forthright about his dyslexia because we wanted to establish that if we attended the school that everybody including the admissions officers were going to understand that he was going to require certain tools and attention now the reason why I personally chose to go with a mainstream school and my wife was 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 very much in the same camp is that we as dyslexics, if we have dyslexia to a modest or mild degree and we can survive in a mainstream school, what we teach ourselves or the holy grail of personal characteristics moxie grit perseverance that can do i'm going to fight until i succeed attitude now if you can do that in a mainstream school and 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 survive and and succeed then you've got something that nobody on earth can give you for sure if your dyslexia is severe enough that you need a specific learning differences school and if you're able to somehow have the financial resources to get to that school, then it's absolutely the right answer for people. But public education is something that we as an organization are committed to working with. And it's a very, very different um, can of worms. There's a lot of federal and state mandates that teachers and administrators have to satisfy, which means that there's a lot of pressure on teachers to do a myriad different tasks and teach these kids certain things, let alone address their specific learning style. And so I get very, um, I get very concerned about how 
our public schools tend to engage students with dyslexia. And I fault a lot of it on the way teachers are being taught to teach. Yeah, definitely. You don't get a lot of dyslexic awareness built into the graduate level work that needs to be done before somebody is certified as a teacher and that's where I think the problem lies. Yeah they definitely focus a lot on the majority of the students uh, and not really focusing on the individuals which I totally understand and it's hard when there's you know 30 to 50 kids in a class at a young elementary school but also you have to understand that at that age a really big percentage like dyslexia isn't that uncommon. Yeah. It's it's relatively common so there should be better protocols that can match for individual students but when i say individual i mean a smaller majority right um you're absolutely spot on and and because we do represent such a significant population my hope is that through our work meaning yours and mine and everybody else in this field what we're starting to do is highlight the fact that individualized education is something that we need to consider. Now, I don't want to place that burden on, like you said, a a teacher in a public school environment with all of these different kids and all of these different concerns. But to be able to start mandating uh, accommodations that our people, the dyslexic population, is able to get access to is going to start to open the opportunity for other learning differences that are not as large a population as we are, they'll start to get the attention because we're sort of the trailblazers in this. You look at ADA, right? The the abundance of wheelchairs and, and um, you know, Braille, it, all that is wonderfully accessible. It's not perfect, but it's wonderfully accessible. The difference is that our disability, or so it's called, is invisible. Therefore, it's harder to argue our, our, our needs because also, everyone says you look normal. Exactly. Say, well, <laughs> or sometimes it's like you read at grade level or you're just reading a bit behind. I think, as you mentioned, it's all about, oh, a lot of the public schools that don't realize this is such a common problem, but they still don't understand that a child can be working harder than anyone else, but not succeeding because they're not given the right tools and they mistake that as not trying hard. So I was thankful and grateful enough to be in many different schools. So I was in a public school, a one-on-one school, a private school, a dyslexic school, and I found that the majority of the problem is in the public school is mistaken for being lazy. And it's so unbelievably frustrating when you are trying your hardest and there's and there you don't know what the excuse is for your, you know, you not being able to do something. Um, And I think that's where a really big problem starts to form in these students because they're just constantly being told you're not trying hard enough. And is there anything more frustrating than working your tail off and being told you're not trying hard enough? I mean, it's it is the it is perhaps one of the most insulting experiences because then inherently right if you're a young child you can't help but to ask yourself am i really trying as hard as i am yeah maybe this adult right this mentor figure in the classroom maybe maybe they're seeing something in me that i don't see myself right and that's one of the things i think so challenging about being dyslexic is that You know, the one thing, the one tool that we have to counteract 
the the chatter around us maybe in the hallways or from the teachers our brains our intelligence comes with it a certain level of self-doubt because the authority figures are telling us that our analytical tool is somehow broken and so when we say to ourselves well i don't believe that and then you can't help but to say I don't know, does that mean that my analytical tool is actually deficient? I just don't understand what they're saying. And so there's a lot of like, there's a sort of a wormhole of self-doubt. And it just, I guess the word is anger, infuriates me. Because that's the most inappropriate population to sow this doubt within. Because we are such an inherently capable population. For sure. And that, you know, don't get me started, but historically the change agents throughout history have, so many of them have been dyslexic. Yeah. So where would our society be if we were actually harnessing the talents of this population as opposed to Definitely. squandering them and actually burdening them with this sense of shame? Yeah. I think a lot of the times also their counteract to what they don't realize is a problem is because it's so different. Dyslexia comes in such a a different um, way of learning. So it's not just like the dyslexic font on the computer drives me insane. Because they're trying to categorize us in our own little group, but it's honestly not. Because everyone in that group is still unique and different. And the way that they think is so amazingly, like just creative, but different, you know? And people mistake different for bad all the time and that's so frustrating especially as a young child trying to grow up and see who you are and you know experience things you want to have as many good experiences as possible because but if you have the bad experiences if it's so many of them you don't know how to handle it because you're so young that's why people don't realize how big of a problem this is for the young children because they're young they're learning who they are and all the teachers not believing in them makes yep. that much more of an impact on them. Yes. So what you're doing is absolutely incredible and being able to go individualize it, but still having it be the majority of dyslexia, yep. it's very interesting how you did that. And it must have been crazy when you went from that, from college immediately into entrepreneurship where you saw how your dyslexia could be used as an advantage. Did you see that in school? And if so, which classes, what academics? You know, I, I, uh, first of all, everything you've just said is so spot on (laughs) and and needs to be heard, especially coming from your voice. I mean, one of the reasons why uh, we get the reception that we do is people say, okay, Dean, you're, you're dyslexic. You're speaking to the experience, right? But you know because you're sitting across from me that i am a dyslexic with gray hairs in his beard okay (laughs) you are the generation that we are working with and therefore your voice your ability to articulate what you just did is what is tenfold more important than mine so i so i hope to retire one day and i'm appointing you now to be (laughs) to carry the flame but um you know you're right dyslexia is such a continuum Right. And, and like I said, my wife, who's dyslexic, she and I can click seamlessly sure. on things. I mean, we have that weird ability to almost communicate without working, you know, without <laughs> using our mouths. Right. We just understand each other. Yeah. But then there are times where, like, I think she's an alien. 
like I'm like, what what are you talking about? Yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. in just totally different <laughs> worlds, right? But we're still totally dyslexic, both of us, right? So, you know, to answer your question, I can actually speak to her experience as well, is what I would say is that early education is horrific. High school, uh, you're gonna do great, but high school for <laughs> almost everybody is really a nasty yeah. time of their lives in general, <laughs> yeah, right? Definitely. Whether or not you're dyslexic. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but then what the beauty of, of college, and, and again, I'm sorry to be so long-winded, but I will get to your question, which is, in college, it's the first time that you can start to dictate and navigate what you want to learn as opposed to what you're told you have to learn. Yeah. And so you all of a sudden open this book of potential classes and you can't believe there are actually classes on things that you are genuinely interested in. That's such a novel experience, right? And you get to choose these topics and then dive into them and you're actually rewarded by your professors and your peers for being really vocal and engaged in the subject matter. And so it's the it's the complete opposite of the early education experience where you are trying desperately to figure out how to fit yourself into the box in order to get spit out with the proper grades to get you to the next level, right? Yeah. The irony is that at college and university, you're encouraged to learn. Yeah. And that is like, it's like being given an oxygen mask while you're 10,000 leagues under the sea. You can all of a sudden start to embrace your genuine passion. And so I, I you know, the one, the one course that was most profound for me was an introduction to East Asian religions, right? And, and I wound up majoring in religion because I was so fascinated by these different worldviews uh, that came from some of the world's you know, dominant traditions. And it was so extraordinary to be able to share my thoughts and get feedback from really intelligent peers yeah. that what I was saying was actually really unique and fascinating. And for me, because I was like, you know, I was like a, a man like crawling around the desert without a glass of water. This affirmation was just this floodgate yeah. of self-confidence. And that gave me the audacity to go and do something ridiculous, like buy a restaurant when I was 23 years <laughs> old, right? But that experience, once again, was another affirmation of the fact that I could do things that other people couldn't. Yeah. And so I couldn't help but to conclude that there was a correlation between these capabilities on my dyslexia. And yeah. then fast forward, folks like Gabrielli and others around them are proving on a neuroscientific level that these attributes exist. Yeah. So it's, it's like I said earlier when we were chatting, this is a really exciting time to be in the space. For sure. Because we're going to see an entirely new philosophy emerge during our lifetimes. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah, it's something extraordinary. Mm -hmm.